everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. I'm Dana, and this is Dalton. Hey, everybody. And today we are going to be starting an entire set review of the first chapter. Over the course of the next six episodes, we will be going over our individual grades for each card in the set. Now, typically we will be releasing episodes on a weekly basis. However, for our set review, we are planning on putting these out to you all within the next two weeks or so. So we can give you all of the baseline information as soon as possible before we jump into more of the fun stuff together, like starter deck upgrades or just deck building from the ground up. Uh, so we are going to be starting with Amber first and then moving through the colors alphabetically, which is actually also the same order that they appear on the Lorcanas app. So before we get into each of our reviews, do you want to go over our grading process and the overall mechanics of Amber? Yeah, I'd love to do that. So let's go over the mechanics and some of the things that Amber is good at and maybe not so good at. So some of the keywords you'll see, the two main ones are going to be bodyguard and support. Bodyguard is really good at protecting your stuff and support is really good at helping you trade, make favorable trades when you're challenging and healing is very similar to support in that, well, you're not making your creature stronger, you're reducing the damage that that creature has on it, so you can make better trades in the future. Now, what this really means is that Amber is going to be playing to the board a lot and trying to create a significant board presence advantage over your opponent. And what this also means is that it's probably not going to be very well at playing from behind. There are not a lot of good removal spells or uh, spells that deal with the board in general. So catching up is not going to be something that you're going to want to be doing or really able to do. So get your creatures on board early. Let them use their bodyguard or support abilities or their healing to get ahead and stay ahead of the opponent. Now, as far as the grading process, we are going to have five grades. We're going to have the S grade. This is essentially the best card in, or one of the best cards in a specific color. Like you couldn't imagine cutting it from your deck and it has a really high power level. Now, when I say S grades, I'm thinking of like Tinkerbell, Giant Fairy, Clearly one of the best cards in Steel. Then we'll go to the A grade. This is one of the best cards in, in that color. Really high power level. It's played in most decks. It's possible that a few archetypes might not want it. But in general, you're going to play four of these. Unless there's a, a really specific reason to not. Also, in the A category, could be really strong build-around cards. And when I think of really strong build-around cards, I'm thinking of Maurice, the blue guy who we'll talk about in a couple episodes, Sapphire character that really pays you off for having a bunch of items in your deck. If there are good items and good support, go along side Maurice. He could be the whole engine of your deck, right? Next We'll talk about the Bs. 
These are very solid role players. Could be a four of in a lot of decks because they have a low mana cost. They're inkable, so you can always have them in your deck with very low opportunity cost, and they might not necessarily have a higher power level. Uh, there's also kind of another category to be, which these these characters might have a really high power level, but are expensive or maybe not necessarily inkable, so they don't fit in a lot of decks, but they're also not strong enough to kind of spawn their own archetypes by themselves. Then we'll talk about C. This is, uh, these are cards that will take a very specific deck to work, and they have kind of niche applications. Next we'll talk about Cs. These are cards that take very specific decks to work or could have niche applications or you might just see them as a one or two of in some decks as uh, tech cards for example and then we'll have D's which are just cards that you're most likely never going to play some may fit a specific deck but not very often will these cards be included in most of your decks with that being said Dana Let's get started on a set review. What do you think? All right, sounds good. Okay, so starting with the first card, we have Ariel on Human Legs. So she is a four drop, so four ink, two cast. Her strength is three, willpower four. She quests for two, and she is voiceless, which means that you cannot exert her to sing songs. I personally, I, I graded her as a B. So I think she's a solid card. I don't think her being voiceless hinders her from being used as just a nice middleman to quest her two with. Um, I think with her being a 3-4, she can hold her own while being challenged or mm -hmm. challenging kind of early in that game. So I don't know. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah I gave her a C. I, when I was trying to do this, I was kind of trying to compare her to similar cards across dollar colors and there's like a Maleficent and Sapphire that is essentially the exact same card, but it doesn't have the voiceless ability. I'm just not really sure when you're going to put this in your deck or you know, how often. Maybe if you just need a solid four drop to fill your mana curve, that's possible. But to me, she's, she's not making my deck very often. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Those are good. That's a good reason. Mm -hmm. we'll go on to, let's go on to Ariel Spectacular Singer. Uh, this one I think is pretty good. Yeah. Um, it is a three drop, two, three. So two strength, three willpower. It has singer, five. So it can sing songs that have a cost of five or less. And it has an ability that when you play this character, you can look at the top four cards of your deck you can reveal a song card and put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Dana, what'd you give this one? Um, so I gave her a B as well. Um, I think she has typical stats for her ink amount. So she's just a nice little mid-level glimmer. And then if you want to use her for that song ability, essentially it kind of gets broken down into two. So it, it helps you be able to... Um, sing songs of a higher power. I know in our last episode, I used her as an example where 
Hakuna Matata is a four drop, so if she didn't have that singing ability, she wouldn't be able to typically sing that because she's a three. However, with her being a singer five, she can play that card. Um, and now for her musical debut ability, I, with her being able to look at the top four cards and picking out a song, I feel like unless you... I feel like as of right now, you might not have a deck with a lot of songs to where you'd be able to possibly see, even see a song if you use that ability. But I think in future sets, as more cards come out, um, there are better songs. I think people will start to build decks around more songs and more singers. So I think she can be, I think she'll be really good later. But um, I think for right now, at least just her being a 2-3 body, uh, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I think that's pretty close to being exactly right. Like, she doesn't have the best uh, stats for her mana cost. Uh, you will see some characters that are 3-3s three or 3-4s three that cost 3. Uh, and she only quests for 1. But she does create some card advantage. And the thing about songs is that while the, the cheaper ones aren't really that great a lot of the expensive ones are pretty good uh grab your swords or let it go mm -hmm. those are both songs that cost five and being able to play that a turn or two earlier than you normally might be able to for no mana is is really strong to me, she's a B or an A. I think in the future, when there are more cards released, she'll probably be one of the best build-around cards that we will see. Uh, but for right now, I just don't think there are enough songs or that when, you, when you're when you using her uh, musical debut ability that you'll really find a good one. You have to, Right now, you have to jam-pack your, your deck with cards like Akuna Matata, which really aren't that strong. But then again, it is creating card advantage, so maybe maybe I am underrating it just a little bit with the, with the B. Next, let's talk about Cinderella, Gentle and Kind. I gave this one a C. Uh, it's inkable, it's a 4-drop 2-5, it quests for 2, it has Singer 5 as well, so it could sing for 5, and it has the ability A Wonderful Dream, where you can remove, you can exert it to remove up to three damage from chosen princess character. I have this as a C. I could see it being a B, just because it seems like its baseline might be good enough. I had Ariel as a C, and this card just seems a lot better than Ariel to me. It the can, one, the human leg one. Yeah, yeah, yeah on yeah. human legs. Yeah, this card can actually sing uh, for a greater cost. And if you're in a princess deck, you can use that exert ability to help your combat, keep your more important characters alive, and it has a five willpower, which means it can probably survive a lot of things. I think I probably underrated this one initially because I gave it a C, but nah, you know, I there's just not a lot that can go wrong with this card, and I think it has really good upside if you can find a princess deck. What do you think, Dana? Yeah, so I actually was on the fence, and I I gave it a range of BC, so I'm kind of similar to you on that. I think um, her scene ability is um, good, and it's going to get even better as more sets and more songs come out. For her other ability, 
removing the three damage from Chosen Princess character. I think for right now, because we still, there aren't very many... There aren't very many good princesses. princesses. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't ran into a princess deck on Pixelborn at all. And if I did, I'm sure this would be one of the most important cards in that deck, but I just haven't come across it. It's just not... The cards aren't there yet, right? Yeah, for sure. So I feel like that ability, not necessarily maybe being able to use it a lot right now, that kind of made me lean more towards C. But I think her questing for two and just being a singer five in general is why I was leaning towards B. So that's mm-hmm. why I kind of got caught in the middle between the two. Yeah, it's, it's definitely better than Ariel on Human Legs. So, and we gave that a C. So it's pro- it probably deserves a B, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead with Goofy the Musketeer. Goofy Musketeer. So we got a five drop. He is a three six quest for one. He um, is a bodyguard and also has a, another ability that is and two for T. So when you play this character, you may remove up to two damage from each of your Musketeer characters. Now I gave him a B. I think he's just an he's a he's a nice mid drop uh, for the bodyguard ability and is also making your opponent use multiple turns and or characters to banish just because his willpower of six is oh, yeah. so he has a strong. Big, he has a big butt, as He's, we would say. Yeah, so you would you would have to either cause your opponent to use a one of their bigger characters that they might not want to lose or maybe double up. So then that would also play into the card advantage that we've been talking about too. So um, and then that that other ability, I think of as of right now. We only have a couple of Musketeers, and so it, it might not be utilized as much. I could see it being utilized more in the future, but I think at least for being a bodyguard and a big bodyguard at that, that's at least enough for me to give it a B. Yeah, I gave him a C. It's possible you're right as far as being a B goes. It's just maybe I was giving it too much of a downgrade because it's musketeer ability just isn't relevant right now mm-hmm. uh it does have pretty good stats for its mana cost i think one of the biggest issues that we will see with this card and it's i'm just comparing it to a, a card that i think is really good that we'll talk about later which is the the ruby maui it just gets demolished by that card but if you're not playing against Ruby, I do think that it's going to take a few resources for your opponent to, to take out Goofy. And that's that's kind of the whole point. As long as you have things to protect and you're not playing against Ruby, I think he'll be pretty decent. I can see definitely see a B for him. Yeah. All right. So next, Hades, King of Olympus. He's an 8-drop. You cannot ink him. And he is a 6-7 However, you can shift him for six, which basically means if you have another Hades on the board already, you can, instead of paying all eight of your ink to play him, you just have to pay six and you can put him on top of the other Hades already on your board and essentially play him for cheaper. And then they become one, the damage stays, but it's a really nice way to, that shifting ability is a a nice way to get your bigger cards on the board quicker than you normally would if you were to just pay a normal cost for them. Right. He does quest for one and has an additional ability that is Sinister Plot, so he gets plus one lore for each of the other villain characters you have in play. So what did you give this one? 
I gave him a B, but I'm really not even sold that he should be that high right now. He's not inkable, so he doesn't have that early game versatility of just being an ink when you can't play him. He's really expensive, uh, even if sh his shift cost is pretty expensive at six. And you have to have a lot of other villains in play to make his uh, sinister plot ability relevant. Because most, most other six, seven, and eight drop characters, they already quest for two, three, and four. You actually have to ha do a lot of work and keep a lot of your characters in play, which is something that ideally Amber should be good at, but sometimes it doesn't work out like that. And if you just have Hades all by himself, he's just questing for one, and that that just does not... It just doesn't resonate with me as a, a being a very good card. Would you? Would you have him? <laughs> so I we are we're kind of opposites on this one. I gave him an A. <laughs> so now I'm like I'm questioning with your grade, but nonetheless, I I I get that he's expensive. I get that he's uninkable, but I think in combination with an amnethyst, if you do like an amber amnethyst, I think, and then build a villain deck. I think that would be really good, um, which they already come together in a starter. So if you were to, when we talk about upgrades um, of the of the starter decks in a few episodes from now, if we make that color combo into a villain deck, I think it could be really good because Amethyst does have a lot of villains. Uh, you have Jafar, you have Ursula, Maleficent, Dr. Facilier, which he has a card that's really good that we'll get to. But I think... If you build a deck around villains, then he would be really useful, even though he is expensive. But I don't know. That's just how I viewed him. I, I could see him working really well if you do build a villain deck. Yeah, he, he has a good sized body and he can definitely win you the game. I just don't think you can play four of him in a deck reliably just because there will be times when you get stuck with two in your hand. You can't ink it and then that leads you to not casting your other characters. So uh, I can see where you're coming from, though. I can see where you're coming from, though. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next one's going to be Hades, Lord of the Underworld. It is a four-drop uninkable that quests for one. It is a 3-2, and it has Well of Souls as its ability. When this character enters the battlefield, return a character from your discard to your hand. So one of the Biggest things I, I talked about in our last podcast was card advantage. This instantly puts you up a card. So I gave it a B. Dana, what did you give it? I gave it a B too. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty solid. And even though he's uninkable, I, I still would want to have full, probably four of him in my deck just because of his ability to return it to mm -hmm. my hand instead of it going to my... Or instead of it staying in my discard. So, um, which given how you can deck out in this game which basically means if you as a player run out of cards in your your deck that you lose and I know a lot of people are concerned about that I know us in particular when we play each other and when we've played at um, like the release at our LGS we never really came close to that so Although it's not really a concern for us, I think because a lot of other people are concerned, like that also is a nice little reassurance for them to have just because they're returning cards to their hand. So that's why I gave him a, a B. Yeah, so I gave him a B because I, I don't think that you'll necessarily run four of him in every deck. 
but maybe two or three could be really good. And I say you're probably not going to run four just because he's not inkable and his stats aren't great. He quests for one, but his ability is really useful. Just imagine you trade a creature early, you play this, get that character back, and you're up a card on your opponent. It's just simple interactions like that that can lead to you getting ahead of your opponent from the very beginning or mid part of the game. Next, we have Hey Hey Boat Snack. It is a inkable one drop, a one two, quests for one, but it also has support. So this is the first card that we are seeing right now where it has support that we get to talk about. And so support characters add their strength, like you indicated last episode, to another character on your board. So for Hey Hey, since he's a one two, he gets to basically add his strength of one to another character. Only when they quest. Only when they quest. Um, so I gave him a B. I think although he's weak, he's cheap, but it also might mean that he could probably get ignored by your opponent because they might not see him as a threat at first. I know that when you and I played a multiplayer game with some of our friends, he had Hey Hey out and we honestly didn't think too much of him and he was sneaky and helping our friend add that strength to his character, his other characters and help them basically get rid of ours. So then eventually we're like, okay, I guess he is a bigger threat than we thought. Yeah, um, he, it's, it's kind of innocuous. You know, you see the one two stat line and he's only questing for one at a time so you're like i could probably ignore this but when he is questing and he can help your opponents make better trades you're like you know what this plays a little bit stronger than what i initially thought right yeah he's sneaky Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i also gave him a b i think for a lot of the cards that we talk about the most important thing is whether they are inkable or not And he's inkable. He can go in pretty much any deck. Maybe you're controlling decks. You probably wouldn't want him in just because he doesn't really fit the game plan. But if you felt like you needed something cheap that could help your other characters make better trades, this is an option for you. Yeah, for sure. So the next one we have is LeFou, the Bumbler. He is an inkable two-drop. He is a one-two as well, and he quests for two this time. And if you have a character named Gaston in play, this character costs one less ink. So there aren't really that many Gastons or anything. So this is mostly just going to be a two-cost, two-questing inkable character. I gave him a C. There are some archetypes maybe with uh, Stitch Rockstar that you would play this in but I just the the, the stats just aren't there for a two drop in my opinion Uh, especially when he does he does quest for two which is good but he doesn't really do anything beyond that so I think he's just a pretty pretty weak card in general yeah I actually gave him a C too I thought the same thing I mean we're gonna look into a card here in a bit that is also an inkable two drop that is a two three and not a one two so i feel like just his stats in general are a little weaker for being two drop yes he does quest for two like you said but i think at least his ability since we we don't have 
a lot of Gastons, it's not going to be a card that you're going to want to play right now. Maybe in the future, but not right now. Yeah, it's just not it right now. Yeah. All right, next we have Lilo making a wish. It is a uninkable one drop. She's a one one and she quests for two. I gave her a B. Um, she might be cheap and weak, but so she's not necessarily good for attacking, but she can get on the board quick because she is so cheap. She quests for two. It would be really or, or really good as a like a first turn to get on. So I gave it a B. Yeah, I gave it a B too. One drops that quest for two are not very common and while this doesn't have great stats it's easy to kill through challenging you are in the color that has probably the most bodyguard characters so it's the easiest to protect and you're also in the color that has stitch rockstar which we'll talk about later which really makes these cheap questers even better than what they normally would be i think just the fact that it's a the cheapest you can be and a quest for two probably probably deserves a B at least. Yeah, and I feel like if you have a couple of her in your deck, if you get her on first turn and you're lucky enough for that, then you can you know you can quest with her for two and then if your opponent challenges or knocks her out and then you see her later in the game and then you have bodyguards too, that would be good. But I think at least to just hurry up and get to lore right away on your second turn um, after mm-hmm. she dries so or that summoning sickness goes away. I think it's good just to get two above. Yeah, I I can definitely see it being pretty easy for you to get four, maybe six quick lore out of her before she's interacted with, and that's really all you want from your one drop in in those kind of aggressive decks, right? Yeah. The next card we have to talk about is Maximus Palace Horse. This is a good one, Dana. Tell us about it. So he is a inkable five drop, a four five, quests for one. He has bodyguard and support. Mm-hmm. So if you enter him into play exerted and you have other car- other glimmers, characters, cards on the board, your opponent has to attack him first before they can attack any of your other characters. And in addition to that, with that support, he has a four strength. So if you're using him for the support or if you quest with him, you can give his four strength to someone else too. I personally gave him, I gave him an S. I was just going Mm. for it. I just think he's mid cost, so he's not extremely expensive, but he has really good strong um, strength and willpower. And he has both abilities that I consider to be very strong. And so I, I just... I would definitely want to have four of these because I just think he's an overall solid card. Yeah, it, it is a really good card. I gave him an A. I don't think he necessarily goes in every single deck like the Stitch Rockstar decks might not want him. But And I, I also think he suffers the, the Maui problem, which is, again, a card we'll talk about when we get to Ruby. But he does a lot. He's inkable. He has really good stats for his cost. He has bodyguard to protect your most important pieces. And... The supportability is really good on a four power character so that your cheaper things can trade into their more expensive things. It's just a really well-rounded card. He only quests for one, but how much how much more do you need to quest for when when you have so much else positive going on for you? I think it's a solid card all around. It'll be played in a lot of decks. Yeah, for sure. Alright, um next one is also another Maximus, but this one is Relentless Pursuer. He is a three drop inkable, three, three, quests for one. 
has horse kick as an ability. So when you play this character, a chosen character gets negative two strength this turn. I gave him a B. I think this is also a decent card, decent stats. It can control the board. It can help get rid of the little glimmers before they start to build up. Uh, so you can take away their strength and use an, another one of your characters on the on the board to maybe get rid of them. And so I just, I gave him a B. Yeah, I initially gave him a C, but after playing against it some and just thinking about it a little more, I think it is a B. It's inkable. It's not very expensive. It has okay stats for its mana cost. I mean, really, actually pretty good stats for its mana cost. And... Its ability to give a character your opponent control minus two attack really just means that your opponents, a lot of your opponents, four drops can be challenged by your one and two drops without any, without any real major harm coming to them. So it lets you make really favorable trades on some characters. Uh, it's just a solid card all around. I agree. It's a B. Yeah. So the next one we have is Mickey Mouse, True Friend. This one, I gave a C. He is a three-drop inkable creature, three-three, that quest for two, and that's it. Um, when I was looking at him, I was comparing him to a lot of the other three-cost characters through all the colors, and he either, this one in particular, just doesn't have an extra ability so it's not super useful at helping you make trades it does quest for two but it also just gets outclassed by a lot of the other three drop characters such as the emerald mickey the wardrobe that's an amethyst and it just seems like a way worse card than rafiki and amethyst too i wouldn't play this in very many decks but i could i could see it if you just need a three drop filler that has a little bit higher of a quest value. What do you think, Dana? I think I... So I I, I originally gave it a B. I think, though, that I gave it a little bit too high of a grade. I just thought it, would, it was just a solid three drop that was just not anything that was impressive, but just a, a body. But I feel like the more I'm thinking about it, I probably did make it a little too high, but uh, that's kind of where I was at. No, I completely understand that. It's, it seems like a generically fine card, but I think given the scope of a lot of the other three drops, it just it just probably won't make the cut a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay, so next we have Minnie Mouse, Beloved Princess. She is a two-drop inkable, a two-three, and quests for one. No other special abilities or anything like that. I gave her a B. I feel like she's a nice two drop just because most one or two drops only can do one or two damage. So because her willpower is three, she can quest right away without you worrying about your opponent's other first character on the board getting rid of her. So you could probably get two or three turns questing with her without anybody really taking her off the board. Plus if I compare her to another character like LeFou, who's also another two drop, he only is a 1-2, but she's a 2-3. Um, yeah, there's a difference in questing, but I don't know. I just felt like she was a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I think against a lot of decks, you'd rather just have the stats 
most of the time than the ability to have an extra lore when you quest. I gave her a B2, but in a little bit we're gonna talk about a, another two drop in Amber that is just strictly better than her. So I could see just giving her a, a C. The only upside to her is if you're playing a princess deck, which, you know, I think is a, a good way to introduce Moana of Montanui, who is a card that most princess decks are going to be built around as well. So Moana is a five drop inkable creature. It is a one six that quests for three and it has the ability we can fix it. Whenever this character quests, you may ready your other princess characters. They can't quest for the rest of the turn. And this is a card I gave a C. It is probably B-worthy. I, I really just gave it a C because I don't think the princess deck is there yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're... And this thing's stats just aren't that good. If you compare this to Maximus Palace Horse, for example, I don't think there's much of a comparison in which one is better for most decks. I do think Moana might have a place once more princesses come out, but I just it just doesn't seem great to me right now. And I could be totally off. Questing for three is quite a lot. It does have six willpower, so it can survive a lot of things, but I'm just not super high, super high on this yet. It does allow you to do things like quest with your princess and then you know, when this quest, they can ready all your other princesses so you can make favorable trades and challenging. Or maybe some of your princesses have abilities like Cinderella that can heal some of your characters. So it could have a lot going on with it. I just, I just don't see it right now. What do you think, Dana? Yeah, so I feel kind of hypocritical now because I feel like I previously graded other cards based on how they currently are and then indicated that I think they could be better later. But for her, I, for some reason, just jumped to how I think she could be in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, I did grade her higher in my head. I think once we get better princesses, I think she can definitely be seen as like an A. Um, I think for right now, though, I would still consider her a B just because she has the ability to quest for three. And like you said, she can withstand a lot of challenges just because she has six willpower, but... I think as more princesses become available and better princess decks are starting to be made, she's going to be really dangerous. Because she's, like you said, she's going to be kind of the epicenter of princess decks for sure. You're basically going to be able to quest with all of your princesses for free if she's on the board. Because you can, obviously questing makes them vulnerable to be challenged. And you get to untap them or unexert them and then basically quest for three and then your opponent can... They, they can't challenge any of them the next turn, except for her. But because she has that six, she can she can withstand a lot. And it'll probably take a couple turns with some smaller uh, glimmers on their side before they get rid of her, unless they have a big boy. Yeah, unless they're... Again, this is another five drop that gets destroyed by Maui, but again, we'll talk about that in the Ruby episode. Yeah. Um, the next one we have is Mr. Smee, Loyal first mate. It is an inkable three drop quest for one, and it is a two five. No other abilities. I gave it a C. It could be a B just because it's actually has a decent toughness, but.
but I maybe I just gave it a B or a C because it's kind of a boring card, doesn't really do anything. It's not going to trade up very often, but it's also really not going to trade down with lesser creatures hardly ever because of its toughness. So yeah, it's, it's probably a B. You could play it, but it's never going to impress you, I don't think. Yeah, I just gave it a B. I Same thing, nothing special, but it was just a solid body. So Yeah, absolutely. Next one is Prince Philip. He is a uninkable four drop. Prince Philip Dragon Slayer is his full name. He is a 3-3 quest for two and has heroism. When this character challenges and is banished, you may banish the challenged character. So I gave him an A. I think although he's uninkable, he's not expensive, quests for two, but I think the best part is just his ability. It's kind of aggro, so it's a great way to remove a character from the board that might require a higher power anyway. So he's kind of like the sacrificial lamb, um, especially because his color doesn't have a lot of other cards that specialize in removal or removing cards. So the fact that you can uh, challenge with him and then get rid of whatever glimmer they're challenging, I think makes him an A, pretty solid. Yeah, I gave him a B, and I'm going to be honest. I read it wrong. I thought it was whenever he was challenged by a character and banished. Um, the fact that you get to pick when you challenge, so you have that agency, you have that choice, mm -hmm. um, I think that makes him a lot better. He's probably an A. He might not be a four of in every deck because he's not inkable, but he has okay stats, he quests for two, and he can trade into any character your opponent has that is exerted. So I think that's pretty valuable. Yeah. The next one we have is Pumbaa, the friendly Warthog. He is an inkable four drop, three five, and he quests for one. I gave him a C. He has some decent stats, but that's really all... All there is is just decent stats. He has no abilities. I just don't think you're going to put him in very many decks because I think the four drop slot in your deck's mana curve is often going to be filled with probably the next card on the list that we'll talk about. But Yeah, I gave him, I gave him a B, so I might have been a little bit generous with that. He's not anything special, kind of like we said with Mr. Smee, but it's just kind of a solid body, I guess. I, I probably could have given him a C, but I don't know. I was just, I, like I said, I was being probably a little generous. So, okay. Let's talk about the next one, Dana. I know you love this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Rapunzel gifted with healing, a four drop inkable, a one five quests for two, but then has the ability gleam and glow. When you play this character, remove up to three damage from one of your characters and draw a card for each one damage removed this way. So how did you grade her? This is an S to me. It will go in basically every single deck. It's extremely powerful. It lets you it lets you challenge characters with uh, a high toughness, and coincidentally, it works well with characters with high toughness, which is a lot of what we've seen in Amber, like Mr. Smee and Pumbaa and uh, Moana. It lets you challenge with your high toughness characters, it takes the damage off of them, and then it just lets you refill your hand. And 
card advantage is something that isn't super pre prevalent in the game, drawing extra cards, and this is just one of the best ways to do it. It leaves behind a decent sized body as far as your willpower goes, and a quest for two. I think it is going to be one of the most important cards in this first set. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think I feel a little bit better having you go first because I was worried I was maybe giving her too high of a grade. I thought maybe you would give her an A, but I'm glad that you agree and gave her an S too. I gave her an S. I I think the things that she has going for her, she's not expensive. She quests for two. And then her ability is, like you talked about, basically a two for one. You're removing damage, but then you're also drawing a card. So you definitely get you get a two for one there. You know, you could get like a, it's almost like a four for one. If you remove three damage counters, you draw a card for each one you remove. So that just leads to a lot of card draw. It's really strong. Yeah, for sure. Okay, next one, Sebastian Court Composer. He is a inkable two drop, two, two, quests for one, and is a singer four. I made him, I made him a B. I feel like he has pretty typical stats for a two drop, but He's also a singer, so that's really nice um, to be able to play songs that you don't have a lot of ink for early on. So I think it would be really nice. You would be able to play him on your second turn, and then by your third turn, you're able to play like Hakuna Matata, which is a four drop otherwise. So I think he's, I just gave him a B. I think he's he's pretty good. Yeah, I gave this one a C. He is just going to be so much more so much more of an ink i think most of the time i just don't see the value here there aren't enough good for cost uh songs really mm -hmm. and his stats just don't cut it to me he is just going to fail in comparison to the next card we're talking about which is simba protective cup why don't you tell us about that one dana for sure two drop inkable two three quests for one but has bodyguard so i personally gave him a b Although he's not a huge bodyguard, the fact that he does have it allows you to disrupt your opponent early on because it, again, draws the attention away from something else you might have on the board and it basically forces your opponent to get rid of him first. So I think that m makes him a B. Yeah, I gave him an A. I think it is going to be the default two drop in every single Amber deck. And the ability to protect... One of the best one drops, which is Lilo making a wish on turn two, is just really strong. There aren't very many two drops that can attack it and kill it straight up, uh, banish it straight up. And it's just a really versatile card. Being so cheap, it's flexible because you can ink it. And the bodyguard ability just makes it a really good defensive tool for all the one drops that you need to protect. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. Okay, so do you want to get into our first of three stitches that we're about to talk about? Oh yeah, I love Stitch. So this one is Stitch Carefree Surfer. I gave this one an A. Uh, it is a seven cost inkable character. It is a 4-8, so it has so much stats. And it quests for two. And it has the ability Ohana, which... When you play this character, if you control two or more characters in play, you may draw two cards. Dana, what'd you give this? I, I gave it an A as well. I feel like if he wasn't so expensive, maybe if he was like a six drop instead, I probably would have given him an S instead. But I think despite he's still really solid, A. And especially I think his ability is nice because if you're 
playing in the playing him in like the late game, obviously you would hope to have two or more characters on your board. So mm. it's nice to be able to get extra cards in your hand. Yeah, you are in the color amber, which is the color that is probably the best at creating and preserving their own board. Mm -hmm. So once you get to this point in the game, you should be able to have two characters on board. You have a lot of toughness in these colors. You have bodyguard, you have support, you have healing. You should be able to trigger his Ohana ability. And then once he's in play, he just has huge stats. We haven't really read a single card that can just deal eight damage yet. It's yeah. just so big. It quest for two. Your opponent's going to have a lot of trouble dealing with it once it's in play. And because it produced so much extra card advantage, they're, they're probably just going to start falling behind very quickly if they're not already losing. Yeah, definitely. All right, so second stitch that we have is Stitch New Dog. So this is just a one-drop inkable, a 2-2, two -two, quest for one, no special abilities, but what did you give it? I gave it a B. A lot of these cards that are one or two-drop inkable characters with no abilities, they're all mostly just going to be Bs. Yeah, yeah, I gave it a B as well. Same thing, nothing exciting, but just a typical nice little one-drop there. Yeah, this one might be a little bit better than a B because of Stitch Rockstar, which is the next card we're going to talk about. It enables that card to do a lot more. So let's go ahead and get into that one. We have Stitch Rockstar. He is a six cost inkable character. He is a three five that quest for three. He has shift four. So you can play this card for four if you play it on top of your one of your other characters named Stitch. And he has the Adoring Fans ability. Whenever you play a character with cost two or less, you may exert them to draw a card. Dana, tell me your thoughts on Stitch Rockstar. I I gave him, and again, I almost am questioning whether I might have underestimated him. I definitely gave him an A. I'm questioning whether I should have given him an S, but I think if anything, he would be, he, he's kind of in that realm. So he is technically questing for three as a four drop if you shift him. So I think mm -hmm. that that's pretty solid. And his ability is really nice if you get to the point where you're hoping to see specific cards because you're playing a character and then being able to draw. So you're you're drawing extra and hoping to see something that you might anticipate or hope that you get next. So um, yeah, I, I give him an A. Yeah, he is an A or an S tier card. He's super strong. He's, in my opinion, probably one of the most powerful cards in the set. The only issue is that he just might not go in every single deck because not every single Amber deck is going to primarily have only one and two drop characters. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he had, he kind of avoids the summoning sickness thing because as soon as you shift him, he can quest that turn, which gives you a big boon in quest, or he can challenge as a three power character as opposed to just the two power that the normal stitches and survive. Really makes it really versatile, but really the, the most important part is here that every time you play your Simba Protective Cub, comes in play, you can exert it, draw a card, and then you can just keep chaining one and two drop characters one right after another super powerful very good card it is going to be 
the reason why you play some specific decks and it will be if you're playing it it's probably gonna be the best card in your deck every time yeah for sure i mean even think about how this card could interact with your maximus palace horse so if you shift this stitch and he comes into play right away and he can quest for three or if you want to challenge and you already have maximus palace horse up you basically can make him like a seven strength too so mm-hmm. definitely could be really powerful incorporation of all of that um yeah. yeah for sure yeah it's really it's really good with just the big bodyguard characters in general because they're really good at protecting him you don't get a draw off of them but this is the character that you probably do want to be protecting the most yeah okay so our last <clears throat> character before we start to get into our actions and items of the set is timon grub rustler so he is a inkable one drop he's a one two quest for one but then also has the ability Taste Like Chicken, um, where you play this character and you may remove up to one damage from a chosen character. What did you give it? I gave it a C. It's it's fine. You can play it. I think it's worse as a one drop than either Stitch New Dog or Hey Hey. But maybe if at some point there's better payoffs for healing your characters, as in more reasons to play it because... Maybe you draw more cards whenever you heal a character or something like that in future sets. Mm -hmm. Then you'd probably be more likely to play it as it is. I think it's probably just the worst one drop that this color has to offer. So I give it a C. Okay. Yeah. I, again, I feel like a common theme is I, I might be a little bit too generous. I gave him a B. I just thought, I mean, he doesn't necessarily do anything super exciting. His ability might be nice, but um, might not be applicable because if he's a one drop and you play him your first turn, it's not like you would have anybody to heal anyway. So yeah, he's, he's really just not very good on turn one. Honestly. Yeah, he's not. So I, yeah, I feel like I, I kind of am starting to agree with you now on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'll drop him down to a, a C. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's get into our uh, actions and items. Mm hmm. Uh, the first one we have is a song. It is Be Our Guest. It is, <laughs> look at the top four cards of your deck. You may reveal a character card and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your deck in any order. So I gave this card a B. Its most important application in this color is either going to be finding Rapunzel or Stitch Rockstar, probably, which are those are probably going to be the two best cards in your deck. Uh, if you're playing them. But besides that, I just don't... Digging four cards deep in your deck is okay, but it only lets you hit characters, so if you need... If you're playing another character or another color and you have removal spells in your deck or other songs that you might want, you're just not going to be able to get the... get the card that you need every single time yeah so i have it as b you can play it it's inkable but it's just not amazing yeah i had it as a b as well i feel like you might not use all four in your deck but it's at least useful when like you said you're needing to find a certain character and you're hoping they're that top four or maybe because i've been in situations like this um, maybe you're just looking for a character that you can ink early on in the game because i've had games where I've been drawing non-inkable characters or characters that I don't want to necessarily ink. Like maybe I already have. Well, then you can just ink this a lot of the time too. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I feel like at least it, it can sit at a B 
despite all of that. Yeah, so. yeah, it's fine. Okay, so the next one is a action, control your temper. It is a inkable one drop, and chosen character gets minus two strength this turn. So what did you grade that as? This this is a D to me. It's fine at letting your characters make better trades, and it has a kind of a low opportunity cost because it is inkable, but the effect just isn't actually worth a card casting it to me. It's it's not very good. You're not going to play it most of the time, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I also agree with you. I gave it a D2. I think you need a very specific situation in order to play it. Otherwise, it's probably pretty useless and just goes into your ink. Yeah. The next one is Hakuna Matata. It is a song, four cost inkable, remove up to three damage from each of your characters. Now, that effect can be really good, but to me, this card is still a C, could even be a D. If you're going to play a four cost card that can heal your characters, Rapunzel is just so much better Mm -hmm. right provides you some board presence it draws you some cards yeah this one could be free but a lot of the time when people are challenging your characters they just straight up banish those characters not a lot of the time are you challenging a character and not banishing it because you don't want your opponent to play rapunzel and then draw three cards from it or maybe play the one of akuna matata in their deck so their characters get healed i just don't think this card's very good what do you think dana i'm actually kind of on the fence i have it sitting in between a a b and a c i think it would be a c if it or even a d if it just healed one character like some cards do but i think the fact that it can heal each of your characters that have damage that are still on the board it's good especially in the late game, you might have bigger bodies on the board that have certain damage, and so I think that could be really useful there. Oh yeah, it can definitely swing games in your favor. It can definitely win you games. I just don't know if it's going to be better than a lot of other cards you can play most of the time. But the games where you do play it's good, it's going to be really good. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But I just don't know how often that's going to be. All okay. right, so next one we have is Healing Low. Dana's talked to me about that one. Yep, so it is a inkable one drop, and it is an action that removes up to two damage from chosen characters. So kind of what I was alluding to with Hakuna Matata, where some character or some cards only remove damage from one character, and this is one of them. So that's why I gave it a D, because I think it's pretty useless. Um, you need a very specific situation, and it only affects one character anyway. So that's why I think it's it's pretty unplayable. Yeah, I am never going to play this card in my deck. I just, it's just not good. It's a D. It could be an F if we had an F in our grading <laughs> scale, I think. Uh, so so not, not a lot to talk about there. The next card is an interesting one. It is Just In Time. It is a three cost and inkable. You can play a character with cost five or less for free from your hand. Dana... Talk to me about just in time. I gave it a B. I think even though it isn't inkable, it is really beneficial that it's allowing you to 
play a character sooner than what you would have played it on a typical turn mm -hmm. or ink with a typical ink projection. So I think it's a pretty solid one. I, w I would probably put some of these in, in my deck. Yeah, I think if you're playing this card, your deck kind of needs to be built around it. If you can imagine putting Maximus Palace Horse into play two turns earlier than what it really should be, that's very strong. Um, I gave it an A. I think there will be decks that are specifically built around it. I can see being wrong about it. This card could honestly just not be very good at all. I could see that being the case. But it's something I definitely want to try because the the power level is there. And I think it, as we get more cards and uh, new sets come out, there are going to be more five-cost characters that make this even better. So I think it's an A. I think there's a lot of five-drop characters that are good to put into play now. And I'm really excited to try that one out. Yeah, definitely. All right, so next one, the song Part of Your World. It is a uninkable three drop and you return a character from your discard to your hand. What did you give it? Oh, I gave this one a C. I don't think that an uninkable song that just lets you recycle a creature is very good. It just doesn't do enough for costing three when you just cast it without singing it it just doesn't excite me you might play one or two copies if you really are reliant on one specific creature like or character like stick shrock star but most of the time i just don't think you're going to play very many or yeah. at all okay i was on the fence so i was around a b or c um i like the concept behind it because you're returning characters from your discard to your hand, so you kind of get that that card advantage there. But I, I see what you say about that, and that it you know you're you're it's narrow. It's There's narrow. not a lot of applications for yeah. it. Yeah, you know? and plus there are other cards that do that plus some. So I mean, if we're talking about Hades of the Lord of the Underworld, he does the same thing, but he's also a character that can quest and has stats and. Um, he might not. He might just be one more cost because he's a four uninkable. This is a three, but you're at least getting more out of him. So. Yeah. And the really cool thing you can do with Hades is that you can just loop them. You can trade one Hades away, play your second Hades, get the first one back, and then keep continuing to do that. So you never run out of cards to play. Whereas with part of your world, you just can't do that. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so the next one, you have forgotten me. This is a... I could never forget you. <laughs> oh my God. Um, people are probably going to be like, they're so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a inkable four drop action. Each opponent chooses and discards two cards. What'd you give this one? So I was on the fence about this one. I gave it a B. I think that it being inkable, like if it was... Un uninkable it would probably be a d you just would never play it but because it's a b and it could honestly be a c i think there are just going to be some games where you play against colors that aren't either amber or amethyst where that color just has no ways of gaining card advantage mm -hmm. and you play this they discard two cards which are the two maybe most powerful cards in their deck because that's just the last two cards they have in their hand. And if you're ahead on board and you do something like that, mm -hmm. it's really easy to stay ahead on board because they're down cards. They, they stack pretty well in the early to mid game. 
And then when you get to the late game, you can just ink them when your opponent doesn't have a lot of cards in their hand already. But in a game without a lot of card advantage, I think making them discard cards could be pretty strong. But, you know, that only time will tell on that one. Yeah, I was a little harsh with this one. I gave it a D. Mm. Um, I think it could disrupt your opponent, but you're also affected by it. So, um, well, it's just each opponent. Oh, I definitely misread that card then. So, well, yeah. you're you're affected. You're definitely affected by it because you're paying four mana to not impact the board at all, which yeah. is a pretty big cost in this game. So, yeah. All right. Well, considering that I read that wrong, hey, I, I feel like that that does that does change <laughs> things. Yeah, I, I probably could see it being between a B and a C just because you're disrupting, especially if they have cards in their hand that you might anticipate them maybe building up to a, a shift of one of their powerful characters or whatever. You can just get rid of their or kind of disrupt what they got going on there. Yeah, I don't think it's a great card, but there are definitely situations where it will probably mess up your opponent pretty good. Um, Dinglehopper is the next one. It's an item. It's a one-cost inkable, and you can tap it to remove up the one damage from chosen character. I gave this one a C. I think there are some item decks that might benefit from playing it just because it's a cheap item, but that is really it. It's inkable. It's cheap. It's just effect is not very strong, which makes sense because it's equal cheap yeah i also gave it a c i think it might be nice for like a cheap damage removal in the right situation but because it would be so niche i i think there are just other cards in this color that removes damage and more of it so it might not be worth wasting that slot in your deck with yeah this one's just so slow you have that one cost healing glow that can heal two just for one mana now you can only do it once but this just being really slow uh you could you could convince me that's a d even but i do think there are some actual applications because it's an item so we'll see so the next one is lantern it is an item to cost uninkable it has Birthday Lies as its ability. You can tap it or exert it to pay one less for the next creature you play this turn. Dana, give me your thoughts. Um, So I had given it a C. I feel like it could be probably in between like a B or a C, but it is really nice if you're really wanting to play a character but are short the ink to do it then this is a really good card to be able to kind of fill that gap and, and play a character quicker. Yeah, I this is a B to me. It could honestly even be an A, even though it's uninkable. It kind of does a lot. So imagine the curve of stitched new dog. Then on the second turn, you play the lantern. And then the third turn, you can tap the lantern to play Stitch Rockstar on turn three. And that is just one of the most strong first, you know, one, two, three curves you can do. Yeah. It seems like it could be incredibly powerful now. It is kind of narrow. It doesn't do anything late game, really. But another note is that they do stack pretty well. If you have two of these in play, you can exert two of them, and then your next character is going to cost two less. So it helps you play maybe Stitch, Surfer Stitch, uh, one or two turns earlier. It is narrow, so I could see it not being the best card, but a B, B and or an A is, is where I am on it. It's going to make a big impact early in the game, I think. So that's where I am. 
Our last card for Amber is Ursula's Shell Necklace. It is a three cost uninkable. It has the now sing ability. Whenever you play a song, you may pay one ink to draw a card. Tell me, what are your thoughts on this one? I honestly, I gave it a, a D. I think there are other cards in this deck that allow you to draw cards without also having to play this and play a song and pay ink. Because in order to be able to draw a card, you have to have a certain situation where you have a song to play or to sing. And then you also have to pay ink in order to even draw a card. And I feel like there's, it's just too many steps for you to, to benefit just one card with. Yeah, one of the things about songs is that you want a card that can sing it in play, so you play it for free. And this is not a card that lets you sing that song for free because it's not a character, right? So the chances of you having that extra mana to pay for this ability lying around is a little bit less. I could see it being powerful in some decks. I just don't think those decks exist right now. So I gave it a C. I could see maybe one or two copies in a deck just to have a way to create some card advantage, maybe against some of the Amethyst decks that can kind of have a lot of card advantage. But right now, I, I just don't see it. The, the one good thing about it being an item is that not a lot of things can interact with it but it just doesn't seem powerful enough to me currently. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that wraps up all of the cards in Amber. And with that being said, we thank you for joining us. We hope that you gained something out of this. And if you are wanting to hear what our thoughts are on other colors, then stay tuned for the next couple of weeks and we promise we will go through all of them and we'll even be posting other content including streaming on Pixelborn or sometimes we are going to be doing tabletop plays as well and so we're on other social media platforms feel free to give us a follow so you even get updates about when new episodes on this podcast drop so find us on Twitter Instagram YouTube Twitch we're the Inkwell Gamers. And so for today, um, I'm Dana. And I am Dalton. <laughs> and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank Thanks. you for listening.